Drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. And welcome to a Friday. Wow. It's already in June. Thank goodness we made it to Friday. Friday, January 20th, episode edition of The Elephants in the Room. I know, it's almost February. It's almost February. Where's it's almost the, the Super Bowl. Where's the time going? It doesn't drag for us here because we live in the land of sunshine, but it's freezing for all of you in the winter, must be getting real terrible now. I couldn't believe that guy was wearing shorts and pants and shorts and uh, short sleeve shirt playing <laughs> yeah. golf today. We played golf and it was, it's, it was cold for Arizona standards. Okay, it was yeah. 58. It was sunny, but it was also windy. Yeah, it was, it was actually a pretty solid. We, we get... So in Arizona, we get a lot of our extreme weather in the summer in the form of monsoons and these like amazing pop-up thunderstorms, and the conditions can get pretty gnarly, and we do have a pretty steady wind. Like you, one of the fun things about summer golf in Arizona is it forces you to learn kind of how to play in the wind, and um, um, especially in the afternoons, and um, <clears throat> and it was that kind of a wind this afternoon. It was It was stiff. It was nippy. I was wearing yep. a beanie. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, but uh, <laughs> that got off track. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know where you were going with it. So I was like, "All right, I guess we're going down that route." Yeah. Um. So what do you want to talk about? Well, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff we can. We'll talk. We'll talk about the serious stuff first. Okay. I guess the serious stuff, the adult stuff, and then um, we wanted to talk about tech layoffs. What's going on in tech land? Yeah. And then we are going to do a new weekly segment. We'll see how it goes. Of uh, Elephants in Corporate America, I guess is what we'll call it. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And then we'll uh, we'll finish it off with, uh, with for probably something about food. Probably. Yeah. We're making our own pizzas right now. So. Yeah. yeah. We're and big we're, foodies. Yeah. And we're going to dive into a little bit of college sports, too. Oh, yay. Well... Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that one's more interesting. I was yeah. like, oh, God, we're going to talk about college football. I don't care. Um, so let's start with the story of the day, which is the what the New York Times is calling 68 Days of Silence. Oh, do tell. Do explain. So this is, um, today was uh, when the establishment media decided that they really can't be hypocritical about this anymore. They've got to start going after Biden for this. So the New York Times put out a big story to, uh, today about how the Biden team hoped and thought their strategy was that the Department of Justice would never go after him for this. 
Um, the goal for the Biden team, according to people familiar with the internal deliberations who spoke on condition of anonymity, was to win the trust of Justice Department investigators and demonstrate that the president and his team were cooperating fully. In other words, they would head off any serious legal repercussions by doing exactly the opposite of what the Biden lawyers had seen the Trump legal team do. In the short term, at least, the bet seems to have backfired. Mr. Biden's silence while cooperating with investigators did not forestall the appointment of a special counsel, as his aides had hoped, but still resulted in a public uproar once it became clear that the White House had hidden the situation from the public for more than two months. Mr. Biden's advisors still hope that the trust they believe they have engendered with investigators by not litigating the matter in public may yet pay off in the long run by convincing the special counsel that nothing nefarious took place. What does this have to do with 68 days of silence? I'm so confused. So that, that so that's what they're so that was the 68 days from the time that the Biden team noticed that there were classified documents at the Penn Biden Center. Remember, that's the think tank funded mostly by Chinese money. Uh -huh. um, from that time until it came out that there were classified documents uh, that the the Biden Biden had there were un, improper uh, storage of classified documents at the Penn. Uh, Biden Center. It would, that's the 68 days of silence. And you know, Joe Biden had pledged to be, you know, uber transparent about um, being the most transparent White House ever. And clearly this is a case where they were not being transparent, number one. But number two, but we've known about all of this Trump stuff has been in the public. And um, that's, that's the story that is being reported. This is in two paragraphs our entire Wednesday show. Um, this is the Joe Biden team betting on liberal conformity within the Justice Department. Hey, it's Joe Biden. He's been in Washington forever. It's Amtrak Joe. It's Union Joe. You know, someone messed up something you know, let's just take him at his word, not make a big deal out of it, let bygones be bygones. That's exactly what they were hoping for right here. They were hoping for the liberal conditioning that we're subjected to throughout our lives paid off in the Justice Department that is the only reason treating Joe Biden completely differently than they treated Donald Trump. And the only reason that's not happening because the Republicans have the House or the FBI, like, grew a conscience? The only reason it's not happening is because someone leaked it, oh. right? I mean, the, the press found out about it. This isn't something that the Biden team wanted to put out in public. But this is making the Justice Department look so bad because one of the thing, one of the uh, common refrains we hear from the left about this Biden document scandal is, well, Donald Trump's lawyers lied about documents, which about where their documents, which may or <clears throat> may not be true we're going to figure that out however if you're the department of justice and you think that a former president's legal team just lied to you wouldn't you be suspicious of the current president's team someone with a lot more to lose than a former president wouldn't you be suspicious and want to oversee the investigation oversee the search for for records at the wilmington residence at the rehoboth beach residence at the Penn Biden Center, and the Department of Justice and the FBI turned down that opportunity. Mm. So in, in they've already, the Biden team 
had every, every right to believe that this would be completely swept under the rug. Because every action from the Department of Justice has been up to this point trying to protect Joe Biden, which, you know, if I'm Joe Biden right now, I'm not super happy with Merrick Garland. Just the same way that Donald Trump was always upset with his attorney general. Because, hey, you're supposed to protect me from this stuff. You're not supposed to be going after me. What are you doing going after me for? Don't you have something better to do? Right? You, there's got, there is an element of that going on right now within the Democrat Party. I think the more interesting, so that's, that's, the, biggest, so that's the biggest question right now, right? It's, there's the question of who leaked the doc, who's leaked the story, who leaked the documents. That's going to be out there. But we have to stay on top of the Department of Justice because so far, they have not taken the opportunity to make sure that this isn't some sort of cover-up because the lawyers turned over what they wanted to turn over. Not right. I mean, they said, hey, you know what? We trust you. We trust you. Go ahead. Do it. You find anything, let us know. The amount of freedom that affords people to cover their own behind is astronomical. I mean, at that point, you'd have to be an idiot to find yourself in any sort of criminal jeopardy any further. Truly. I mean, they had every opportunity to cover, to cover as much of their tracks as possible. The Department of Justice gave that, to, gave that to them, and that's why it's important we have the House Oversight Committee. The, how the documents got there, we know how the documents got there. People started throwing stuff in boxes, and they, and they came here. Maybe, maybe they were taken perp intentionally by Joe Biden. I think that's another great possibility that they were intentionally taken by him, right? Those are the two possibilities. That's what you have to investigate. That's why we have the House Oversight Committee to do two things. Investigate how the documents got there in the first place and then investigate the Department of Justice decision making around the entire beginning of this investigation in November of 2020, of 2022, when they completely dropped the ball and had a chance to show that they apply the law equally. They don't. We now know this is, this is not now we know. This is yet further proof that the Department of Justice is just simply another arm of the Democrat Party. So that's the big news today. That's where we're at. It's the weekend. The other, the other thing that's going on, and I believe, I believe this was in the same publication. Um, oh, it is. It is actually in the same publication, the New York Times. Um, Jonathan Alter. He used to write for Newsweek. He's a longtime liberal writer, columnist, talking head, historian, whatever. Um, we used to have him on the show every now and then. He's not, he's just a liberal. And he had, a, he had an opinion piece today in the New York Times saying, hey, you know what, Joe? As a liberal, I understand that there are nuances to the document scandal. That what you did was okay, but what Donald Trump did was horrible. But the public, they're not going to understand the difference, so you should just step aside. <laughs> Let the next generation take over, which, as a Republican sitting here, I love. Doesn't you that just mean Kamala would be in charge? Well, it could be Kamala, it could be Mayor Pete, it could be Gavin Newsom, it could be... Oh, he just means at the end of this term, not like he should yeah, step down just now. just be like, hey, oh. Joe, you know, just, just... 
and maybe the uh, there might be a follow up to the uh, the article since we do have some some more breaking news uh, tonight that the classified files uh, were sent to a storage facility before they were sent to the Ben the the, the Ben Biden Center the Ben Biden the the Penn Biden think tank just can't get that think tank to follow up with that name Biden um, so who knows what the security was at that facility and it's it's just getting worse by the day for joe biden and the smugness in front of the cameras is really really not helping his case um but we're going to be staying on top of that story we're going to move on to others because as we kind of did with the 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 trump story we can speculate as much as we want it certainly seems here to me that something somewhat nefarious went on you know and it seems like the department of justice the thing that the thing that astounds me about it the thing that that really gets me about it more is that the government is just completely in cahoots uh with, with the biden legal team to make sure that uh that they can uh, <clears throat> that they can uh, cover their tracks which is just it's not that i had any faith in the department of justice beforehand but it's just one of those things where you go wow our, our institutions have truly truly collapsed um Speaking of things that are collapsing, the tech industry is uh, collapsing right before our eyes. Um, not collapsing, but the, as Katie said today in the car, the recession that hit a lot of the service industry in 2020 and during the pandemic is now hitting the tech industry which was artificially propped up yeah. during that pandemic and um and now the chickens are coming home to roost yeah are starting to come home to roost a little bit um it's a bloodbath out there yeah it really is it's getting uglier by the day and um you see headlines like microsoft is under fire for hosting an intimate concert with sting for 50 executives uh, at, at, at Davos, which is something that we haven't covered on the show, the World Economic Forum that's going on. That's where all the globalists are meeting this week. I know Tucker, Tucker, Tucker has been covering it. It's, um, that's where the Al Gore speech, if we, if we were going to spend more time on the show tonight, we would dive into the Al Gore doom and gloom speech. Um, but he... He's Al Gore. I mean, he's just he's he's got to be making so much money off of this bracket. I can't imagine. It's just it's just. Ugh. But anyways, but anyways, enough about that's why we're not talking about it on the show because it's just disgusting. It just sickens me. Got to find a funny way to talk about the world economic forum. Um, yeah, the, 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 tech, the, the tech layoff thing is, is interesting because we see it in our LinkedIn feeds. It's, we were talking about it, you know, what, what, what makes the most sense, right? Do you want to cut the people who kind of, you know, first in, first out? Well, what I think is interesting is, at least for the Google one, I haven't read like every single uh, CEO's reasoning for each of these because it would take forever. Um, but his excuse was they scaled 
for the growth that they thought would essentially last forever, which to me shows poor leadership. Uh, And, you know, then the economy crashed. And so they need to scale back. So if that's the truth, then wouldn't you only be laying off people who are hired in the last 18 months, probably? Instead, we're seeing on LinkedIn people who have been there 20 years, 15 years, 10 Mm -hmm. years, Mm -hmm. over and over and over. It's like, mm, either your reasoning doesn't make any sense, or maybe someone you just hired is magically better than this person you've had for 20 years, which how did they stay there for 20 years? So, I don't know. Something's not adding up there. It's just a stark reminder that in the corporate world, there is no such thing as loyalty. Oh, no. Just remember that. There's no such thing as loyalty in the corporate world. So don't even think for a second that your company or your boss gives actually any sort of a crap about you. No. Because at the end of the day, they'll knife you to save their own ass. Just remember that. And this Microsoft concert is the exact example kind of that. This is the exact example of that. They're just going to go party it up. These executives party it up and do not care. Do not care. Um, you know, to, to, that, to that point, Katie... You know, a lot of, I've seen, that's been the most common refrain that CEOs have been sticking to, which was essentially, we thought the sugar high would always last. Yeah. Which is stupid. When in the history of America has it ever lasted? Yeah. What, like, did, did, did no one spend, it's just, did, did no one spend any time sitting down and thinking, okay, we've just added about $4 trillion into the economy. That's going artificially. That's got to go somewhere. That's got to do something. That's going to make its way. It's going to create tons of demand. And that's what it did. It created tons of demand. It, artif- it inflated the prices of things. COVID also was wonderful on the supply side, shut down so many of, so much of the su- supply chain that we had this wonderful you know, collision between a crunch on the uh, on the supply side and excess demand, and we have this wonderful thing called inflation that is still raging across the country. And you know, that's one of the big reasons that 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 tech companies are laying off uh, uh, people. It's just it's just expensive out there. Yeah, it's just expensive out there right now. Um, so. I was talking about this to Max the other day and I was like, do you think this will create a backlash? Like, do you think some of these tech workers will be, uh, not disenfranchised, disillusioned Mm -hmm. with their, cause you know, and for the past 15 years, everyone's glamorized it. Oh, you have to have a tech job. That's like the new American dream. You get to have free food all day and it's just this wonderful land. Unlimited PTO. Yeah, unlimited PTO and they hold your hand and we'll they're so woke and they donate to Black Lives Matter and blah, 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 blah. And I'm wondering... We'll pay for your abortion. Yeah, and yet... I saw that in a job posting <clears throat> today. Yeah, and yet they've just turned around and been like every other corporation ever looking at the bottom line, not caring about people as usual. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious if this will create a backlash or not. But as we were discussing, there has been an episode like this before in the dot-com bubble and people stayed in tech. Now it wasn't the way it was 20 years ago, mm-hmm. the way it is now. So maybe it'll be different, but I'm very curious to see what, the, what 
fallout, if any, there is from that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, the most, what's the most famous from the 2000s? Pets.com. That's the most famous one that crashed. And the most famous of this crash is going to be FTX, most likely. But... Yeah, well, no companies so far have really... Like, big companies have gone under. No. They're just getting rid of people. Yeah, they're just starting to get rid of people. And that's the next thing we're going to see. We're going to see some of the more spe- speculative tech stuff kind of... There will be a couple that fall by the wayside, and we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, if you look at Meta, that entire Metaverse project, that lost, what, they lose like $7 billion on that last year or something like that? That's a project to watch in 2023 and 2024, because there's only so much that the board is going to allow Zuckerberg to burn. If no one, if no one is adopting his uh, his whack job metaverse, which is just the most crazy, stupid thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it really is. Look, you can meet your friends in this virtual world. Like, why don't you meet your friends in the real world? Yeah. Go out, have a beer, be a regular person, watch a game, go to a concert, go for a hike. It's weird. All right. All right. You wanted to talk about college sports, and then we'll do my segment. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess the struggle is real. Well, the segment's really not so much about college sports. I mean, the segment is really just about. Like, well, I was trying not to ruin the surprise, but if you want to take it so literally. Well, I know, right? <laughs> but I mean, it's a combination of it's a combination of things. A combination of someone who's seems is incredibly successful at a young age, and it's kind of a sad commentary on young men. <laughs> okay, why don't you tell everyone what you're talking as about as well? So, anyways, so. Um, who is the highest paid college athlete in the country? And we've spoken about this on the show. It's called NIL, Name, Image, and Likeness. College athletes can make money. I don't know. Probably the quarterback for Georgia who just won the championship I'm, game or whatever. I'm sure Stetson Bennett is not doing poorly for himself. But based on endorsements, it's a gymnast at LSU named Olivia Dunn. Livy Dunn. She has 6.7 million followers on social media. And she has throngs of young male fans who show up to her, who her gymnastics meets and apparently are quite disruptive. <laughs> but what does she make her money on? She just has like companies that ask her to endorse products? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so, yeah. She makes her money on social media. Does she endorse female products? Because if all of her fans are male people... Mm-hmm. wouldn't she need to like endorse shaving cream or something? Well, I mean, she's also probably popular in the gymnastics community because she's also a good gymnast as we've looked up. That was one of the first things we have. She's like, okay, so here's the thing. She has 6.7 million social, so 6.7 million social media followers and the vast, vast, vast majority of them are young men. If you haven't deduced from that fact, she is attractive. Objectively, <laughs> this is an attractive young woman. All right? And so I don't think it really matters what she's promoting on Instagram. People are going to look at it. People are, she gets eyeballs. She was interviewed on the Today Show today, right? If you're being interviewed on the Today Show, it means you're getting eyeballs. So 
it's a safe brand. It's not like it. This isn't. She doesn't have like an OnlyFans or anything. This is. This isn't. You know, it's, it's not skeezy. But I'll just say this: a flip through her page makes you realize quickly that she is aware that she's attractive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we did look up to see if she's a good gymnast. And she is an all-American on the bars. Yeah, actually. Um, so, anyways, but the, the the more that the more that I think about this story, it's it's really a story that's less about. Well, also, what's interesting about her social media feed is when you initially hear this, you think, okay, a gymnast. Mm-hmm. So her Instagram feed must be filled with videos of her doing floor routines and pictures of her and her leotard mm-hmm. and just like all gymnastics. There is. Barely any gymnastics on the page. <laughs> it's just like her in a pool, her at a party, <laughs> her next to a sunset. It's like, okay, so you're just an Instagram influencer who also happens to play gymnastics. Yep. That's kind of what it is. That's exactly that's that's exactly what it is. And there was this this like really cringy video that this gymnastics reporter took of the LSU team coming off the bus, and I, no kidding, about a thousand 18-year-old boys were there with signs, like, waiting to, like, meet her. It was, it was weird. It was straight Is up Is it weird? weird? Because women do the same thing for men. So, so that's what I'm saying. I, I think that they're, and you can call me sexist for this, and that's fine. <laughs> but I do think that young boys should behave differently than young girls in that situation. Like, I get the pinup girl. I get the Maxim magazine, the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, though now they got fat chicks in that. And so I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that anymore. I haven't picked that up in a while. I saw that they were doing that kind of stuff. And I, you know, that's, that's not, not why you look at the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. And... um and I, I, I get that. What I don't get is like the, it just. Oh, see, you messed yourself up. It, women do this to male athletes, singers. They, they do. Yeah. But that's just, but that's just women. You know, they, they, that's just for women and you know no, it's not yeah 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 it's i don't it's just a little weird to like kind of just i don't know how to put it it just seems a little weak to me so i do think one of the controversies is that uh something like people think she's too risque and she should yes. like know better Yes. Like, essentially, where is her moral compass? And her response and, to that was that it's not up on the... It's not, it's not on the female to... It shouldn't be on the female to regulate her content based on how people decide to react to it, was essentially her, her reaction. Right. And I, it really Which does... Which is correct. Yeah, it really does bother me when they're like, oh, she should have more more of a moral compass is essentially what they're saying. Yeah. It's, why can't the people who follow her have more of a moral compass? If you weren't all following her, she'd change her content. I bet if she did all gymnastics videos, she'd have like 100,000 followers maybe. 
Well, that's that's one hundred percent true. Yeah, I would say that that would be a poor business decision yeah. on her part if she stopped posing beside pools and sunsets. Um, I guess I guess with the guy thing, I just find it. I I guess where I come down on it is I just kind of find it funny because I just don't understand what their end goal is. Like, do you really think that what she's going to... What are the women's end goal? It's not like the... the oh, rocks. of course. What do you think groupies are? What do you think groupies are? They're no. going to go backstage. She goes, men are pigs. No, see, this is where it's different. See, because men are pigs. The rock men stars are pigs. don't stop the and rock go, stars, oh. oh. the rock stars, no, but come back. Come back for a little something. Come back and meet the band. Come back and hang out. Right? That's what groupies are, right? See, that's where men are pigs. See, that's where it's different. These guys, Olivia Dunn isn't like that. She's not going to invite, hey... Hey, you, 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 with the mop tops, come on the back of the bus and come hang out with the girls. What, what the hell, on, on what planet do they think that that's going to happen? But a group of guys inviting four or five hot chicks back into the bus? Of course those girls want to do that. That's what groupies are. That's insane. How could you even claim that there's a? How could you even claim that there's not a difference between the two? There is a clear and obvious difference between the two because if you've said for the past fifteen and a half years that we've been together, women, it's it's partially responsible on the women to make sure that you know not everyone's getting knocked up all the time. Be a little picky, you know, when it comes to who you're you know, spending time with. And that's what Olivia Dunn's doing. She's being picky. She's, these guys, on what planet do they think that she's going to pick a bunch of random dudes to come out and hang out on the LSU gymnastics bus with them? I don't know. I mean, it's a bad look all around for the women and the men. Well, it would, that would be a bad look for the women and, and the men. But that's what I'm saying. When you go to a rock concert, rock bands, it's not a bad look for the band. Right? I don't think your athletes do You're that as much. Star. Why do you want to be a rock star? Why do you want to be a rock star? Why do you want to be a professional athlete? You want to get, you can get rich. You get rich, you can get whatever you want. All right. And some guys love women. What's a better way to get women by being a professional athlete or a rock star or movie star? But anyway, regardless, moving past this point, because I think you've beat it into the ground. I... I whatever she's doing, I don't care. It's kind of nice that a female athlete, which traditionally in America, mm-hmm. they make less money. Yep. It's documented. It's kind of nice that she's making some money. There's no NFL for her no. waiting for her. There's no There's NBA nothing. waiting for her. The only her. thing that's waiting for her is if she makes a U.S. gymnastics team and people fall in love with her. Because there are plenty of gymnasts we've had. They make decent money. But like, if you're not Simone Biles or... What was the girl who broke her ankle? That girl. Carrie Strug. Carrie Strug. Like, you're probably not going to get tons and tons of endorsements. But Kayla Maroney. She had the face. Yeah. But what about the other three? You remember their names? No, because they didn't get endorsements. You, there was one of the one of the And that's only was if you make the team. And there's only five people on the team. It only happens every four years. So, you know, good for her. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. All right. So this went longer than we thought it would. Uh, Okay. So the segment that we're going to attempt to do every week, maybe, (laughs) is what we're titling right now is Elephants in Corporate America. So I have a fun story from Corporate America. Uh, At work, we had someone join our team. And so we had a, like, get to know you group thing. Of course, it's all on Zoom because we're all remote. 
and um, someone picked a, an icebreaker. Usually we do like something like, what's your favorite type of pizza or like some food related thing. My team really likes food. The person who picked the icebreaker decides to pick, who would you add to Mount Rushmore? And I was just like, wow, spicy topic. Right, <laughs> like, well, right. uh, what? <laughs> so, of course, Who's every, your favorite president? Yeah, everyone's just like, uh, we, Who'd you vote for? <laughs> we need a minute. So the person who picked it, uh, I think they picked Kobe Bryant or some basketball player. <laughs> so like, okay, I guess they picked the question because they thought it would, they were thinking along the lines of athletes. So they thought it was funny. Um, I think I went next and, you know, I had like, three minutes to think of this. So I did like a quick Google search to see who were the most impactful U.S. presidents because Max and I have been to Mount Rushmore. Uh, and the purpose of the monument is to honor presidents who had the most impact on America. So of past those four, some articles said FDR. I don't like FDR. I wasn't going to say that. So without having a lot of time to read in depth every single president's achievements in two minutes, um, I saw that Eisenhower had founded NASA and put into law the ability for us to have the intercontinental, is that what it's called? Intercontinental uh, U.S. highway system. Interstate system. Interstate system. So connects all the states with trade. That really opened up, you know, Mm -hmm. all of the country. So that felt very impactful. So I said that. People actually liked my answer and thought it was well logic. So I was like, all right, I think I like dodged a bullet. Plus Eisenhower's pretty old. So not a lot of people know what side of the aisle he was on. Um, Someone else picked Einstein. Sure. Uh, Someone picked Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Which I I personally enjoy. (laughs) Um, someone picked a female artist who I can't remember their name, but she was like the first artist when it was a male dominated field. I don't think she was American. I can't really remember. Um, and then we get to a libs lib and the answer she gave was why I thought we needed to have this segment. She said, well, I would destroy the monument and bring it back to the way it was because it's on stolen land. Okay. <laughs> I cannot repeat this enough, folks. If you ever want to figure out who the liberal in a group of people is, it's the miserable person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally miserable. It's the miserable person. The only person who decided that they needed to bring everyone down. By the way, just remember that <laughs> land is on the blood of Indians. So congratulations, Kobe Bryant. You now stand on the blood of Indians. How do you feel about that, Mickey Mouse? Yeah, Mickey. Huh? Huh? Oh, you thought you were being progressive picking a female female artist? Oh yeah. Female artist? Guess what? Bigot. Wrong. Wrong answer. I'm more liberal than you. Oh, God. The keeping up with the Joneses in the liberal society has to be exhausting. It has to be absolutely exhausting. Because there's there's no equivalent on the right. I don't know. Maybe, like, I have more guns than you. But Uh, that's not really a thing. You don't really have that. You know, we just shake hands after church. You know, say hi. It's not that big of a deal. But the left, you've got to, oh you have to proclaim it. Ha- it's a, it's a, it's a, 
you know, oh, I've got the latest and greatest. It's, it's the South Park episode in San Francisco. Oh, we got to get you. Oh, you've got that Prius, but there's a new model that's out. You got to get this one. This one's even cleaner than that one. One second, I got to sniff my fart. Yeah. So we'll try to find those stories for you every week. If we can't find it from our personal index, we will try to find one. Got to try to find We'll one. find a story. That's just, oof, man. That is just, hey, everyone. Thankfully, we don't. I'm here to bring you down. Right. Thankfully, we don't have enough of these encounters to do it every episode. So at least there's that. That would be awful. <laughs> be terrible. <laughs> um, okay. Are we doing food? Pizza Hut's trying to make the biggest pizza. Like stretches several city blocks or? Let me open it up. My, my, uh. My show sheet here. Your whole refreshed. computer crashed because Daily Mail destroyed your internet. I don't know how you open those sites. It's just I can't even open that page. Whatever. Everything goes. I can take a look at it. Pizza Hut attempts to set world's biggest pizza. It's get. I mean, I wonder what the current one is like. So, I mean, you need a big enough oven. Are you? Are you? Baking it in pieces. When Pizza Hut decided to bring back its big New Yorker pizza, a cheese and pepperoni pie with foldable slices designed to be eaten on the go in true Manhattan style, the company wanted to find a way to celebrate the news. Well, they should celebrate it by baking it 99 cents a slice. <laughs> Take New York to Los Angeles and collaborate with YouTube star Arak. Sure. Okay, how big is the pizza? On 13,990 square foot pizza. What, how do you even cook that thing? It'll be 13,658 pounds of dough, 4,948 pounds of pizza sauce, more than 8,800 pounds of cheese, and roughly 630,496 pieces of pepperoni went into making the record-breaking pie. Do they say how they cook it? The pizza would not go to waste as soon as the pizza was done and documented for Guinness at 68,000 slices would be donated to local food banks. The previous Guinness record for the world's largest pizza was set in 2012 by a group of Italian chefs. Their pizza was 1,261.65 square meters, gluten-free, and given the name Atavia. But they don't say how they cooked it? Because you could not fit that in an oven. You can't fit that in an oven. So they cooked it in pieces? That's not a real pizza then. Maybe they just turned the whole building into an oven. No, that would be impossible. I, I call erroneous. You can't, you can't call it a pizza if you had to bake it separately. I mean, they obviously had to bake it separately. It's like the whole floor of a warehouse. That's how big that picture looked. Hold on. Max is trying to find this for us with one hand. So, you know, mm -hmm. these have a stand, right? You can do two hands. It's so big, it was cut into 68,000 slices. I, but how'd they cook it? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I feel out. like that's the secret. So they're not going to tell us. How was the world's largest pizza cooked? Yes. It was baked in pizzas. Pieces. That, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. They just made a whole bunch of little pizzas and put and it put made it into together. a big pizza. Anyone could do they just made a big puzzle. I'm calling the Guinness Book of World Records. That's crap. This is this is not right. No, nah, that's stupid. No, not right. No, no, no. All right, folks. You will hear us on Monday. Have a good one. See you.
The chant is drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess.